Let's go right there. You know, anyone who's done a stroll through the scriptures will read some remarkable moments of God speaking to human beings, whether it be a burning bush to Moses, Balaam's ass, Jonah's conversation with God post Nineveh, and so on. These appear to be divine, audible voices talking to humankind. But why do I get the impression that if someone said that they audibly heard the voice of God today, that most of us would like to um, refer them to an institute? So mm-hmm. why, why does it appear, and maybe that's a struggle for many people who who, you know, God's appeared to be speaking to people one way, but today it seems like God is speaking maybe totally different. Welcome to the CBF Podcast Conversation. We know that conversations matter. So each week we are grinding through the critical research to bring you the best stories and resources of people doing groundbreaking and innovative work in renewing God's world. I'm Andy Hale, your CBF Podcast host. And this year we're celebrating our seventh year of the podcast, bringing you even better interviews worth your time, attention, and collaboration. These episodes are not intended for you to listen to an island unto yourself. Get online, share your insights, thoughts, and feedback from the podcast with us on CBF's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages. We also want you to join the CBF podcast community through our CBF podcast listener support page at cbf.net backslash podcast support. We see you, Pasadena, California, Louisville, Kentucky, Beaverton, Oregon, and Frankfurt, Germany. First-time listeners and long-time listeners, we are grateful you are here for the conversation. We want to give a special shout-out to some of our listener supporters, including Caroline Bell, Trip Hawthorne, Cindy Foldenlore, Bill Johnson, Carson Fushi, Ralph Stocks, and that generous anonymous donor that keeps giving in honor of CBF Grump. And before we move on, we want to give a word of gratitude to our annual sponsors, including Central Seminary, the CBF Church Benefits, and the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. This podcast is presented to you by Central Seminary a historic Baptist seminary founded in Kansas that now is diverse, cross-cultural, and ecumenical with a significant global footprint. Leading with the values of community, empathy, growth, and tenacity, Central Seminary equips students with the theological knowledge, spiritual insight, and practical skills needed to lead in an ever-changing world. We cultivate an inclusive, multi-language community of reflection where critical thinking and discernment are welcomed and encouraged. Central offers numerous graduate degrees and certificates, including Doctorate of Ministry in Creative Leadership, Master of Arts in Counseling, Certificates in Chaplaincy Studies, and Peace and Justice Ministries, and much more. Most programs are offered fully online. To learn more, visit cbts.edu or search for Central Seminary Kansas City. Our guest for this week's CBF podcast conversation is Pete Gregg. He is the senior pastor of Emmaus Road Church in South of England, the founder of 24-7 Prayer Movement, a contributor to Lectio 365 Devotional, and the author of several books, including How to Pray. Pete, thank you for joining the conversation. Thanks for having me. I'm honored to be with you. Well, all, right, all across uh, you know, the U.S., things have become popular that had come across the pond, right? The Beatles, Led Zeppelin, the original Office show, and now your good work has made its way over <laughs> here. Um, but you know, for those that aren't familiar uh, with you, tell us a little bit more about some of your work, uh, like around Lectio 365 and the 24-7 prayer movement. Sure. Well, I, I'm a pastor, a serial church planter in the south of England, and... Um, 
we accidentally started this global prayer movement. Uh, it began back in the summer of 1999. Everything was going really well outwardly with the church, but inwardly I became deeply spiritually hungry. And uh, I, just, I, I just began to cry out to God and realized that the key to everything is prayer. You know, prayer isn't just where it begins, it's where it ends. And that my prayer life was pathetic, basically. I was, I was a pretty good leader, but a pretty bad prayer. And so uh, we stole an idea from the Moravian Christians of the 18th century in Germany under the leadership of Count Ludwig Nikolaus von Zinzendorf, who prayed nonstop for 100 years in Herrnhut, were the first to take the gospel to many nations, converted John Wesley, changed the world, and thought, if they could pray for 100 years nonstop, why don't we try a month and see what happens? And um, my eldership team thought this was a stupid idea because we were only getting six old ladies and a goat to our church prayer meeting at the time. And, um, and the goat wasn't very committed, to be honest. And then uh, we started. Uh, we figured if we just managed a week of night and day prayer, that would be a miracle. Um, and what happened was it, it just went crazy, Andy. And we... We couldn't stop at the end of a month because so many people were having encounters with God in the prayer room. Uh, people who would call themselves atheists were coming and experiencing God's presence. There were reports of angelic visitations. And I found it very moving as a pastor to see all the pain, all the lament mapped across the walls as people put their, their prayers up. So we prayed nonstop for three months at that point. Uh, and it was a genuine move of the spirit. I mean, we just couldn't explain what was happening. And then it went, as we would say back then, went viral. I guess we don't say that anymore. And we're now, we've been praying nonstop for 22 years. We're in over 100 nations. We're working with everyone from the Catholics at the highest level to the Salvation Army at street level. Uh, we've given birth to a global network of monastic communities. Uh, we have people serving on the front lines of mission and justice. So it's been an amazing ride. And uh, that's the 24-7 prayer movement. Uh, I'm still a pastor. I'm still trying to work all of this stuff out day to day in ordinary lives. I'm married, got two grown-up sons. And uh, I live half my life on a boat, on a river boat, just south of London, and the other half on an island just off the south coast of England. So there you go. There's a bit about me. <laughs> Well, you know, you're speaking into something that I think is not uncommon for a lot of our listeners, or at least if they're willing to admit that sometimes when we're paid clergy, you know, our profession is to lead people in prayer and we're, we're paid to study the scriptures all week. We're paid to jump into and to be an expert, quote unquote, on all these things. But that doesn't necessarily equate to us having a sense of authenticity in our, our prayer life. Take us a little deeper into that feeling you had and the differentiation you made between you know, praying professionally, and then that sense of personal uh, prayer life within your journey. Yeah, St. Augustine said, thou hast put salt on our lips that we might thirst for thee. And that was my experience. I, let me put it like this, <clears throat> because the programs we were running were working, the church was growing, people were applauding. I suddenly had this horrible thought, if God died, would we notice, <laughs> you know, would this stuff just work in and of itself? 
And then very personally, Andy, I, I, I think I was nervous that I'd be that guy who Jesus talks about at the end of the age, trying to show his resume to God about all the stuff he's achieved. And, and, and the father will just say, but we didn't actually know each other. So I realized I need to learn to hear God for myself. I need to really stop outsourcing my prayer life to godly old ladies. I need to um, go deeper in my personal encounter with God. And frankly, I also wanted to see more miracles. I, I realized you can't engineer that stuff. I mean, you, you can only pray for it. And so all those kind of soul questions that were creating this great dissonance between my public performance and my private spirituality crystallized around the issue of prayer and encounter with God. And, um, and actually, Andy, as we began to pray, God took us on and is still taking us on this incredible journey moving from seeing prayer just really as intercession a big red switch if, if we can reach it and flick it revival will come to understanding prayer in more contemplative terms as in in prayer there is a place beyond words in which we enjoy the presence of god and become more like him and so and right at the heart of that was that um you know i think we were probably pretty insufferable for about the first year and a half of the prayer movement because we just thought if everyone prays the way we're praying jesus will be back by breakfast on thursday you know and it, it was heady stuff we were we were spreading into countries we'd never even heard of we had tv documentaries being made rolling stone magazine commissioned a four thousand word article about us i mean it was an amazing time and then my wife got very, very sick. Uh, she very nearly died on multiple occasions. I became the primary carer for our two very little boys. I had to turn down speaking at all the biggest conferences in the world in order to stay home and change diapers. And I had to begin to, I moved, I think, from a perception of prayer. I thought my prayers could change the world to wondering whether my prayers could change or could could save my own wife and so it's been an amazing journey of wrestling with miracles uh, and we've seen a great number of those and i've written about those extensively genuine bona fide you know first-hand account miracles but also on miracles and pain and asking profound questions about how we hear god which have become even more of an issue recently with the way that the voice of God has been so deeply abused uh, in the name of politics and, uh, and, and in the name of trying to control congregations of people. So, um, so yeah, it's been an amazing journey. And um, I think what we've discovered is that prayer is one of the few things that Jesus definitely told us all to do and that we can all unite on um there's a lot of things we do as pastors that we don't really have to do but you remember the apostles when things got busy delegated operational leadership and management in order that they could prioritize prayer and the scriptures 
And so that, that, that really has been my journey. Well, you have a new book uh, about prayer, uh, How to Hear God. This is the invitation for normal people to discern the authentic voice of God. You wrote, nothing could ever be wilder or more wonderful than the human capacity to hear God's voice. And for that reason, few things hold such potential to confuse and cause pain when used, abused, or ignored. Tell us, uh, you know, the story behind why this book was written. Well, honestly, I'm sure there are a lot of pastors that listen to this. I thought it'd be pretty easy to write a book on hearing God because we've all done, you know, a talk on that subject or three or five. But as I got into it, I realized this is the single most important thing you can ever learn to do. And yet probably the most painful and confusing. And, you know, it's important, clearly. Jesus says, John 10, verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. You know, the, the Greek there, there is akuo, from which we get the word acoustic. So the mark of learning to hear God's voice is that we become sensitive to the acoustics, the nuance, the tone of God's voice. This is like ground zero for discipleship. And, and it's key, right? We can't prepare our own kids. We can't prepare our, our congregations for the future because it's it's coming at us too fast but we can prepare them to listen to the voice of god and obey so i mean listen i'm preaching to the converted i don't have to persuade you that learning to hear god's voice is important the problem that we all have is it's so painful and confusing um because every single one of us has got stories of uh, someone who has abused the word of god it might be a manipulative parent it could be a cocksure preacher uh, I remember a woman who looked me straight in the eyes at the end of a church service one day and said, with absolute conviction, God has commanded me to marry you, you know, <laughs> and she wasn't my wife. <laughs> so, and then of course, um, Andy, you know, I despair when I see people calling themselves prophets, say, saying that they, 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 they you know, telling people how to vote in political elections as if Jesus Christ is, a, is, is a, somehow a servant of man-made political regimes when he's actually the Lord of Lords. And I see a whole generation of millennials turned off to the gospel of Jesus because of the partisan politicization of the gospel. And so whether it's at massive levels like that, uh, the increased tribalism that we see within the church or the very personal, you know, the, the times when we cry out to God for an answer, we need God to speak to us and, and the heavens are silent. This issue of hearing God is painful and confusing. And I haven't even mentioned the fact that there is such a thing as religious psychosis and, and that uh, we live in a culture that when you, you know, if you, if you hang around Christians and say, Oh, God said this to me everyone says yeah sure but try try using that with your doctor or try using it in a court of law they'll medicate you or they'll you know put you behind lock you up somewhere before you can shout hallelujah so we live in a world that is very skeptical about this very notion of hearing the voice of God even though history demonstrates that a mark of full humanity is to hear God because many of the greatest people who've ever lived have heard the voice of God so, uh, so yeah, it, it's been fascinating and an urgent task to get into this message 
And the reason the subtitle is A Simple Guide for Normal People is I wanted to write something for people who are intelligent and thoughtful uh, without being patronizing in any way, uh, but also to make it simple and accessible for people who are not full-time clergy and, and so on. I did a, a prequel called uh, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People, which has been a bestseller and, uh, and it seems to have helped a lot of people. So this was kind of the natural next step. This podcast is presented to you by CBF Church Benefits. At CBB, your benefits are our ministry. For 25 years, CBF Church Benefits has proudly served the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, providing retirement benefits and insurance services for CBF-affiliated church ministries and staff, along with CBF field personnel in Atlanta and around the world. CBB helps simplify the administrative burdens of your retirement plan, allowing you and your ministry staff to focus on your ministry. CBB can also help you maintain your overall benefit package, including life and disability benefit and international medical insurance for international missions. Through generous philanthropic support, CBF Church Benefits recently launched the Financial Wellness Initiative. This new initiative offers ministers the opportunity to receive financial relief grants, financial education experience, and financial planning services. Please visit CBF Church Benefits website at churchbenefits.org to learn more about CBB, our benefits, and the financial wellness opportunities designed to help you thrive in your mission and ministry. Since 2016, CBF has brought you over 100 episodes of interviews with authors and practitioners for conversations that matter. These stories of creativity and innovation have garnered weekly support from around the United States and the world. We are inviting you, the listeners, to join us in connecting with the podcast. Become a monthly listener supporter and receive some perks, including name recognition on the podcast, questions for upcoming guests, free books from the podcast, joining the podcast for an interview, and a VIP experience with the General Assembly podcast guest. There are five levels of listener support starting at $5 per month. For less than the cost of a pumpkin spice latte, you will be featured by name on the weekly podcast episode. For more information and to join the community of listener supporters, visit cbf.net slash podcast support. Let's go right there. You know, anyone who's done a stroll through the scriptures will read some remarkable moments of God speaking to human beings, whether it be a burning bush to Moses, Balaam's ass, Jonah's conversation with God post Nineveh, and so on. These appear to be divine, audible voices talking to humankind. But why do I get the impression that if someone said that they audibly heard the voice of God today, that most of us would like to uh, refer them to a menstrual institute? So, mm-hmm. why, why does it appear? And maybe that's a struggle for many people who, you know, quote normal people as you write the book, who, you know, God's appeared to be speaking to people one way, but today it seems like God is speaking maybe totally different. Such a great question. I love the way that you've put it. And by the way, so glad you mentioned Balaam's ass because it is very encouraging, isn't it, to all those of us who purport to bring the word of God to others that he can speak through a donkey and and, and not a not a bad thing to remember when we do well and people think we've done well to remember that he can also speak through an ass but uh yeah I I think we are living in a context post enlightenment where and particularly post uh, Jung and Freud and psychoanalysis that says uh, for example dreams which are one of the 
most common ways God speaks in the Bible. It's one of my biggest discoveries in, in doing the study for this book is just how prevalent dreams are as a medium of divine communication. But, but that now has been sort of co-opted as, oh, well, that's all just your subconscious. And Christians in the West, at least, have slightly rolled over and just said, oh, yeah, okay, so we don't do dreams anymore. Instead of saying, no, actually, uh, uh, you know, God can speak through these and we need to work out, you know, what's us, what's God and so on. Um, so, uh, you know, we live in a, in, in a world that is more cynical about these things um, in the West, but let's not forget the majority world isn't cynical about them at all and is very suspicious of people who don't seem to hear God because they think it's normative. And then I think we've got some internal challenges um, which probably, you know, may well go back to the Reformation. So a similar time span, you, 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 you've got the Reformation behind one of these problems, the Enlightenment behind another. And, and that is that we get so weird about God. We, 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 we think that God has to be weird. We think that God only speaks in very strange ways. We miss the fact that God comes to us mostly, as one writer says, disguised as our own lives. And so um, when you talk to people about hearing God, they often think about booming voices, strange, you know, supernatural experiences, and not um, the notion of a God who whispers, who speaks in our consciences, who speaks to us in conversations like this, who speaks to us through music on the radio, who speaks to us through creation, uh, uh, who, who speaks within us. Now, when you move the conversation to that, most people will say, yeah, I think I might have experienced that in my life. And that's because we are created to walk and talk with God. So uh, I think some of it's the way that we frame hearing God. By the way, I do believe in dreams, angelic visitations and audible voices, and I've experienced those. But the moment we say those are the main or the normative ways in which God speaks, I think we relegate God from his own creation he by definition created everything that we consider natural and normal so it's weird how weird we get about god where we think he has to speak outside of what we consider uh, the natural and the normal world so um so yeah i think there are some challenges we have in western uh, society and i think there are some uh, challenges that we have internally with our perception of god and one of the fun things in the book is i talk about remarkable people who heard the voice of God and yet would be seen as some of the most influential people who've ever lived from Florence Nightingale the mother of modern nursing who received her commission in a voice from God through to Ben Carson the former presidential uh, candidate uh, who and, and one of the most eminent uh, surgeons in, in in the US who received the most extraordinary dream uh, whilst training uh, to, to, to become a doctor, which, which led him into everything in the rest of his life. And, um, and, and, he, and he has talked very openly about, about this. And I recount that extraordinary dream um, in the book. So uh, the, the, these are normal, influential people who did not think it was in any way weird to hear the voice of God. And as Christians, we have no option but to say we believe in a God who speaks. So let me summarize it like this, Andy. I think the issue here is not theology, but psychology. 
the theology is open and shut. Genesis 1, God speaks. John 1, Jesus is the word of God. No debate. The issue we have is psychology, how we receive, process, and hear the voice of God in our lives. And that's probably a, a more complex and maybe even a more interesting conversation. So I don't know how it is in the UK, but in America, we have all different kinds of uh, brands of Jesus. He's pretty much become the mascot of different theological bent and agendas. Um, you know that as I think about prayer life and reading the scriptures um, for formation, it could be easy to do these things day after day just to merely reinforce what we want to believe about God, who God wants us to be, and what God wants us to do in the world. So how do we recognize in our prayer lives our, our less you know, spiritual formation and more personal reinforcement? How do we recognize the difference between those two? And how do we cultivate the kind of prayer that leads to true formation? Well, the first thing is we have to be rooted, of course, in the scriptures. And that might sound obvious, but some of the most overwhelming feedback I've had so far on the book, it's only been out a few weeks, uh, has been thank you for articulating the um, authority and centrality of the scriptures. And um, I think some of your listeners will be surprised at how um, controversial the authority of scripture is amongst church going Christians. Um, and so one of the things I do is restate that. But then I, I talk about, you know, how do we use the scriptures? And the backbone of the book is one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible, the Emmaus Road uh, story, which is a masterclass for anyone seeking to learn to hear God's voice, uh, not just because it models so many of the ways in which God speaks, but also because the couple so consistently and reassuringly get it wrong. And um, one of the interesting things in there is that Jesus doesn't just appear to them and say, da-da, it's me, I'm risen from the dead, um, you should all cry and fall over. In fact, he does the very reverse. He takes them on what must have been at least a two-hour Bible study in which we're told, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained uh, to what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, the, the, the conservative evangelicals amongst us will go hallelujah at that point. But notice there's something quite challenging in there. He is, he is both restating the authority of the scriptures so even though he's been re resurrected from the dead it, he's still referring to the scriptures but he's reframing the scriptures around his own life it's what they say concerning himself and so i talk in the book a bit about the christological hermeneutic how we read the bible in the light of jesus christ now there's more we could say about the Bible, which, you know, George Gallup said is, is the best selling least read book in America today. <laughs> but but I believe we also need to learn to hear God in community with others, listening to others. Our Catholic brothers and sisters are often much stronger on this understanding of a less individualistic faith that understands we discern together the voice of God. Um, and so we, we hear God in scripture, we hear him in community, uh, we, 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 we obviously encounter God in creation and culture, which I think is very exciting as we get rooted in who Jesus is 
and uh, and in the doctrines of scripture and in the community of christ we are freed up not just to hear god in religious environments but at the movie theater and listening to the radio and in talking to someone who might not even believe in god we can still hear the voice of god final comment on this and, and you touched on it at the start of your question andy is i've tried in this book to create a big hug in which we listen to different traditions of the church because what we find is each one has its own particular rich insight into how to hear God and personally I'm sick and tired of the tribalism and the sectarianism that says we will demonize the insights of other wings of the church and purely focus on our bit of it. What that means is that in this book, yes, I celebrate the evangelical insights into hearing God in the Bible, but I also celebrate the charismatic and Pentecostal insights into hearing God in prophecy and in dreams and in visions. And I also celebrate the contemplative insights into hearing God in his still small voice, the inner voice. And as a Christian today, I'm interested in anything God's got for me. I don't want someone to say to me, you can only hear God in the Bible, but forget prophecy, forget dreams, forget con contemplation, that's all new age. I don't want equally, I don't want someone saying, just contemplate. Or, or I don't want a charismatic saying to me, you know, just just go to Bethel and have a major emotional experience, and that will be the voice of God to you. I want to be rooted in Scripture, and so my great longing in this book has been to bring these different streams of the church together, and we see all these ways in which God speaks encapsulated beautifully in the Emmaus Road story. Well, no, we got to let you go. Our guest is Pete Gregg. The book is How to Hear God. If you want to follow Pete's work, check out petegregg.info. Pete, thank you for making the time to have this conversation. What an incredible reminder of how hearing God is essential to the very purpose for which you and I were made. Thank you, Andy, so much. And the thing we must remember is he loves us. He talks to us because he loves us. This is all about relationship. Before we wrap up our episode, we need to tell you about one more of our annual sponsors, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. BSK is excited to once again be sponsoring CBF's upcoming General Assembly in Dallas, Texas. Stop by our booth in the exhibit hall. Join us as we honor our 2022 Addie David Award recipient at Baptist Women in Ministries gathering, or attend the workshop being led by Reverend Erica Whitaker, BSK's Associate Director for Institute for Black Studies. We'd love to connect with you at this special event. Learn more about BSK at bsk.edu. Okay, that's it. That's our conversation. If you want more, be sure to subscribe to CBF Podcast on all major platforms, including iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcast. Don't forget to like and share this episode on your favorite social media platform. Be sure to support our annual sponsors by visiting their websites. Again, that's Central Seminary, the CBF Church Benefits, and the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. Check out cbf.net for more information about church starters, field personnel, advocacy work, and much more. And, uh, oh yeah, I think we mentioned that you should uh, join the listener support community at cbf.net backslash podcast support. 